Hi everybody and uh, welcome back to Music Seeds. It's been a sad couple days here with everything that's gone on in Texas and then with us losing Andrew Fletcher of Depeche Mode, um, Alan White, the drummer of Yes, and uh, the actor Ray Liotta of Goodfellas and uh, Field of Dreams and many other movies. Um, been a little bit of a somber week. On the flip side, we uh, had Top Gun Maverick released this week. I went and saw that last night, and I have to say it was even better than I thought it was going to be, and great soundtrack, great movie. Not very often where you see the audience cheering and laughing and crying all in the same movie. I very much recommend it. Check it out if you get a chance. Also, Obi-Wan Kenobi got dropped on Disney this week. Haven't watched that yet, so a little bit of things from the entertainment world. There was also a, a few albums released, which we will get to at the end of the episode. This is part two of the Jeremy McCree podcast. There's a lot of good stuff here at the end, so I really hope you enjoy it. We talk about having to delve with society and the things that we are into as far as diversity and content um the mental state we're in and stuff as far as you know dealing with things so a lot of uh good talk here so without any further ado here we go hi this is johnny i'm your host and you are listening to music scenes the music that made us I don't know if I sent it to you. Find the name of that. What was the name of the band? Alphataris. Okay. Uh, they're uh, an Italian progressive rock band from the seventies, mm-hmm. and they've only got. Was that something you discovered, like on, like, Spotify? Or... No, I. Uh, I'm looking at. They've only got three albums out, or mm-hmm. they've got. They've got their original album that came out in seventy. It came out in seventy three. And then they've got a, a re-release in 2012, and then a couple of live albums. How'd you get into them? I'm part of a, a, a flack tracker, uh, mm-hmm. a torrent site, yeah. an archive site, uh, and everything is archived in uh, in the flack format. Dot flack. I don't yeah. know if you know what mm-hmm. it is, but mm-hmm. it's, it's like when you take a CD and you write it down to ones and zeros, and you compress it, so yeah. you can rewrite it to a CD, and it's the perfect copy of it. Okay. Um, and, uh, and I'm part of this tracker. I've been part of this tracker for like 17 years. And somebody put this album up. Like, the, you know, they, they ripped it into a flat format. And they put it up. And I just played it one day. I think it was on my phone or something like that. I was looking for something new. Mm-hmm. And it's an Italian. Mm-hmm. And it's progressive rock. And it's one of those things that even though I don't understand the words... Like, I just, every time I play, like, I'm like, you know, it's kind of like when you get, uh, you wake up in the morning and, and you just know that you've got to listen to something that whatever you listen to is going to make your day. Yeah. It's one of those bands that I've added to that collection that'll make awesome. my day, right? Yeah, I have a few of those, uh, yeah. uh, and, and I'll just be like, I need to listen to Alpha Taurus. And like, you know, they, uh, they're not that obscure. Uh, uh, Tommy James and the Shondells. Yeah, I know that. Okay. Uh, I grew up on their Greatest Hits album. Mm-hmm. Okay, and uh, I just I went into my record, my local record shop, by the way, uh, and I don't know if I told you or not, but yeah, she 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 did say that she would be interested in doing a podcast. With yeah, you I would you, love to do that. Want to yeah. do that online, 
Um, What's so her I, name? Her name's Tammy. Yeah. And uh, What's her name? Uh, Bogey's West. Okay. It's here in Castle Rock. Okay. Uh, it's a great little shop. She's been there for, in some iteration, they're there for almost 30 years. Wow. Uh, she actually has a flat from the Beastie Boys signed by all of them hanging nice. on her wall. She's got a great story behind that. I won't, I'll save that in case you do it. Yeah, yeah, I'll yeah. ask her about the Beastie Boys a lot. Oh, I'll definitely story. do that. You know I will. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, um, uh, so I walked into to Bogey's West a couple of weeks ago and I'm not a snob when it comes to my records. I, if it's in good condition, it's great. I, mm-hmm. I don't have a, I've got a Google Crosley 2 channel, you know what I'm saying? It's not the best <laughs> record player in the world, but it does exactly what I need it to do, yeah. right? Uh, because it's either it's either one extreme or the other, and another the other high end extreme is that I go and I spend three thousand dollars on that sound system to listen to vinyl mm-hmm. that I really don't want to do at this point in time. So it's just yeah, I'll spend good. that much, but yeah. right. But you understand what I'm saying? Like yeah. I want the five point surround, you mm-hmm. know, I want it to sound great, or I just want to listen to it. Yeah, that's my record player. So when I go in and I buy records, if I want to listen to the album, I buy it regardless of the condition. I mean, if it's in horrible condition, of course I'm not. Yeah, yeah. but she's got she's got. She's a record store. This is her world. She's not going to sell me something that's scratched as shit, right? Mm-hmm. Tommy James and the Shondells. I grew up on that in the 80s. My stepdad had it in his car. It was the greatest hits album. Mm-hmm. Okay? And I found it. I found it on vinyl. And uh, yesterday I played it and I was like, I forgot. Like, I knew almost all the words and I haven't heard these songs in probably 40 years. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it's just from an obscurity standpoint, like, all of the songs on there, you know, Crimson and Clover and uh, Money, Money, like, they've all been redone. Like, you know, Billy Idol redid Money, Money, or Money, mm-hmm. Money. And Crimson and Clover was done by... Joan Jett. Joan Jett, thank you. Mm-hmm. Listening to that, I was like, it brought me back to being a child. That, and, and I'm trying to, like, like, from the security level, other things that I found that it was just, like, blew me away. Finding that one thing where you're like, I didn't think I'd like this. <laughs> but I absolutely love it, you know? Like, oh, finding yeah. that thing that you... You didn't know you needed in your life, you know. Like yes. it, it, that—that's the amazing thing about music. It's an amazing yeah. thing about. Uh, it gets that serotonin flow, and it gets that you—you you know, it makes you happy. Oh yeah. That that, that you're just like this is that. Um, I don't know. I guess serotonin, dopamine, however you want to look at it, whatever you well, want. Well, it's to a rush. Yeah, it is yes, a rush. Right. And, and here's an example of like being like turned on by music that you didn't remember until you heard something. There's a movie out now by Paul Thomas Anderson called Licorice Pizza. I, I've, I've seen the previews for it, I, but I... Yeah. And it's getting a lot of lot of attention right now. And I knew about it months ago, and I was really excited to, you know... And then I found out that uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's son's in it. Oh, no kidding. And the girl, one, one of the little girls from the band Haim, H-A-I-M, it's a three-girl group. They're all sisters. Okay. And she's one of the leads also. And I was like, I never knew she was even an actress. Right, you know? right. But uh, Paul Thomas Anderson is one of these directors where he's, either you really like his movies or right, you right, don't like his right, movies. Right, right. <laughs> um, I've always, generally, I, I like about between 80-90% of his movies. You know, there's been a couple like, eh. But this movie has been out and getting a lot of attention. So I checked the soundtrack out. Because the soundtrack is, you know, set with a lot of stuff from the 70s. And, like, anything from, like, Nina, Nina Simone to Bing Crosby and the Andrews Sisters. Sonny and Cher, Chuck Berry's My Dinglings on there. <laughs> Peace Frog by The Doors. Yeah. Let Me Roll It with uh, Paul McCartney and Wings. David Bowie, Life on Mars. Right. They're using that in the preview. Uh, Clarence Carter, Slip Away. Seals and Croft. Donovan. Uh, Johnny Greenwood does the soundtrack from uh, Radiohead. So he does the actual score for it. James Gang's on there, Blood, Sweat, and Tears, Taj Mahal. Um, 
Yeah, I'm looking at it now. Like that piece frog from the doors. That's my point going back to the algorithm, right? Yes. I don't want to listen to light my fire more of the doors, okay? But if Peace Frog came up one day, yeah, I would be like, holy shit, this is awesome. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, I'm going to have to listen uh, to this. This is being queued up. And I'm like, wow, this is reminds me of the days when like soundtracks came out and they were really right. fucking they were good. they were really good. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, even the um, hearing If You Could Read My Mind by Gordon Lightfoot, you know? <laughs> I was like... And I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm curious now how the song's going to come up in the movie. And I thought about that after the only songs. I'm like, wow, if this is a, you know, a sign of um, a soundtrack being really well, I know the movie's really well. I'm really looking forward to this movie. So now, aren't you just... I, this movie is set, like, I think in late 70s, yeah. and it looks really... Like, he, he did something similar to that um, a few years ago with... Um, Joaquin Phoenix and a bunch of other people, and it was like a detective movie, and it was really well done too. So I'm always curious to see what tall Paul Thomas Anderson's going to do, and um, and David Bowie's being used quite a bit lately. I don't know if it's just the family or whoever owns the rights to that is really like I've seen him in like his music and commercials and stuff now, and and it's good that you know they're using him because you know. I don't think we ever want to forget Bowie. I mean, Bowie was definitely one of these guys that pushed the envelope and throughout his entire music career. And to me, he was one that embraced a lot of the new changes in music when, like in the 90s, especially when that was happening mm-hmm. and stuff, you know, when yep. he did stuff with Trent and stuff like that. It's just really cool, like, hearing that, like, in a commercial. Like, you'll have the TV on in the background, whatever, and all of a sudden you hear Bowie, like, in a commercial. It's, like, crazy. I think it's good... Uh... This will be the only time you will ever hear me admit anything about commercials. Yes. Because I fucking hate commercials. Well, I'm going to bring something up when it comes to this music thing, but go ahead. I think it's good for artists like Bowie. Um, and Turn even, some kids onto it. Yes, but even... Uh, remember the whole controversy when uh, Janis Joplin's sister sold the rights to... Uh, um, oh Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? Yes. Okay, and it was only that. one oh, iteration. Yeah. It was only one, like one year or six month period that Mercedes had this commercial with Janis Joplin in the background. Um, every time I hear that song, that's all I can think of is that the con. That was like 1997 or 98 or something like that. You know, it made the news to the point where you know. But her sister was like, "Look, my Janis would have appreciated this, right? She mm-hmm. would have understood this." And so I think to that point, hearing David Bowie in the commercial space literally in the commercial space it's good because maybe some kid will be like who's this mom who's this dad you know what i'm saying or in this case if i hear something you know my shazam is built into my phone now i don't even have the app anymore it comes built in as a program that all i have to do is swipe if i hear something i'm like i'm pulling up shazam going who the hell is this you know what i'm saying and then i can just cross it's a great thing it's a a, that's one of the things i love about technology Mm -hmm. because remember the old the books we had. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, it's a song with love in it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> okay, well, there's 3,000 songs with love in it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. What the hell was that book called? Yeah. Now? But it was the, I know what you, you the mean. Yellow yeah. Pages of Music. Uh, well, I was going to bring this up too. We all went and saw Spider Man, the new Spider Man that came out this week. Right. They had the previews, obviously, before the movie. And it had an ACDC song in a preview, it had a door song in the preview, right. uh, People Are Strange. Right. And a Led Zeppelin song in a in a movie too, and I was just like, "Wow!" Three movie previews in a row, and they all had classic rock songs in it. 
And I'm like, that's how probably they're making their money and stuff now. Look at freaking Bruce Springsteen sold his catalog this week for $500 million. You took the words right out of my mouth because I was hoping that you'd segue into this. Or if you didn't, I was going to. The artists selling their catalogs. Mm -hmm. I think it's absolutely amazing Mm -hmm. that, one, there are companies out there that are willing to see the long-term investment of this, right? And Mm -hmm. two, artists are like... I'm not going to be around forever. I don't need to do anything with this... Who, uh, not, wasn't Springsteen just sold theirs, um, well, but I know Springsteen just sold his, but so did, um, I just read an article, um. Bob Dylan has. Bob Dylan sold Stevie Nicks has. Yeah, so did, so did, uh, uh, Mick Fleetwood. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, Crosby, David Crosby. Yeah. He just he had to. His. And I know, when I read that, like, I don't yeah. know, I don't know if we were the same article, but he was like, that saved his house, you know what I'm yes. saying? Like, like, to think, to think as an artist, like, the, the, and he probably made. Pennies on the dollar, you know what I'm saying, compared to compared to Bruce Springsteen or whatever, you know. But the fact that he's able to do that, you know what yes. I'm saying, and and he he might not be along alive for another five or ten years or whatever, you know. Yeah. What I mean? But at least he's got money in the bank. Yeah. You know. Uh, take care of his wife. His take care of his wife and his family. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying. And then it's the same for all these guys. Like that's amazing. Like so. Well, because considering now for multi-factors too, you know, with the with the pandemic going on right now, and also right. with not people are getting older and they can't tour, right. you know. So like, right. hey, I'll go sell my catalog, and make a bunch. Like, you know, Springsteen has a humongous freaking catalog. I can see right. why he made five hundred million dollars off of it. Yeah, of course, because the return on investment is there, especially when you think about the fact that all of those deep cuts that. I'm not that big of a Bruce Springsteen fan. I probably he's not, he's one of those artists that I'm on a is on the list that I'm going to have to dig into at some point yeah. in time. But, uh, you know, when you've got a huge catalog, um, for the artists, for the, for the fans, not the artists, for the fans, the fans that are our age at this point in time, that are diehard fans, can you imagine what it's going to be like in five years when whoever owns the rights to that decides to go and pull a deep cut's greatest hits that haven't been available anymore? Yeah. You know, or, or um, you get your kids into them and they're huge. The things that 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 progr- that pro- not progression that uh, legacy is still going to be there. Yeah. That legacy is going to be there for the next hundred years, where where they're going to be able to release music. Maybe we'll get to hear things we never heard before. You know what I'm saying? Maybe we'll. Well, and, that, to, and, and, and like that amazes me. That yeah. that is, I think that the music industry industry is finally learning. Yeah. The stuff that they should have known thirty years ago, yeah. or forty years ago. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They're finally seeing. Okay. You know, let's do these artists right, at least when they can, mm-hmm. and and let's do the fans right. Yes. Well, I was going to say also with those previews, they were all remixes too. Right. So they yes. they took the music and they made it their own in the preview, like they kept them repeating certain lines in the song or certain notes in the in the music and stuff like that to emphasize the movie preview. Did you see Thor Ragnarok? Yeah, of course. Do you with... remember the 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 scene when Immigrant Song came on? Yeah. And and how, how... much? I mean, Shoot it back up the charts. Yeah, because that made that part in that yes, movie. Yes, it, it, everybody it had perfect. goosebumps. It was perfect. Yeah, and that's the thing is like when you well even ACDC and the Iron Man movies and stuff like right. that too. You know they 100%. knew they knew how to play the movie into the music, and that's one thing you're going to see hopefully a lot more and more. Um, Baby Driver a few years back yes. that came out. That movie was so spot on yeah. in every aspect, down to the acting, down to the to the to the to the writing to the music everything yep. was just that movie was made around the music exactly. and then on top of that you had a great movie at the end of the year like that was a really good movie yeah. 
if I was any dream gig for me to be right now, it'd be probably that the music producer for like right. the soundtrack, right. you know, for the movie or even for the for the movie itself to be able to put the music in something. Quentin Tarantino's been doing it ever yes. since his movies came out, yes. you know. He knew how to put the music in the right moments in, in the movie. Yes. And, stuff and like what that. music to put in. The stuff that yeah. RZA does that as well. Yep. Like if you go back to, uh, if you, I don't know if you've seen it, uh, Ghost Dog, yeah. uh, The Way of the Samurai with uh, um, Forrest Whitaker, mm-hmm. for, right? Forrest yep. Whitaker. Mm-hmm. There's two different versions of that soundtrack. There's the American version and there's the Japanese score. Mm-hmm. And both of those are just yeah. like the beats. Like just It's just like the putting that music, having that together, being able to to see that Tarantino being able to know that the Tarantino's catalog his mental catalog is so deep it's perfect like yeah well if you watch Jackie Brown all the old R&B in there you know I mean it fits the movie appropriately and it tells the story and that's what I love about you know when you can get a good director and a good you know music producer or even both of them you know for that matter to collaborate on something really well you got people like you know like i just said johnny greenwood doing the the licorice pizza soundtrack you see that more and more i mean look at uh, danny elfman Stuart copeland both of them you know being the musicians there and having some of the biggest scores in their life so taking it back to the quite the rush question earlier yeah okay i would love to see alex alex more than getty really not that mm-hmm. i'm discounting getty as a musician you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying I would love to see Alex going to something like that. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. That that and and t- put his take on it. Yeah. You know, um, on scores. What yeah. did it look like? Even if it was an independent flick, you know what I'm saying? Oh, Just for sure. Yeah, I mean, scoring is one of these things where it's it, it may seem simple, but it's not. You you're playing the emotion of the movie, the <laughs> tempo of the movie. Yeah, I mean, it, it does have a lot to do with the acting and the direction of the film with the cinematography and stuff. But that music plays a lot to my emotion when yeah. I'm watching it. And yeah. if, the, if, if the score is good and if the soundtrack's good, it's, it's, it's awesome, yeah. you know? And, and I, back to the Spider-Man thing, you know, they, the ending credits had a De La Soul song that i never heard of before, at least I wasn't aware of. And it made me go back and look at this and De La Soul, you know? And, but that's one thing about those, even those movies in itself too, the Marvel movies, they know how to put that music yes. in it, you know, yes. and stuff like that. That's something to learn, you know, maybe DC can pick up on or something, but... I don't know um, why DC is so far behind the curve. I mean, they're trying... Well, to- their animation, though, is where it's right. at right now. I mean, obviously, they, they get a lot more credit for their animation when it comes to that and stuff. Comedy, are you listening to any good comedy? The reason I'm bringing that up, because this is a good topic for me and you, and that is... Comedians are right now to me the one thing that I'm holding on to that you know the woke society does not take out because right. it's really one of these things it's you know it's a joke and I think we take things way too seriously and I like seeing a lot of these comedians out there right now pushing the envelope a little bit trying to make fun of ourselves and the way we're acting so much you know it's like Jim Gaffigan came out with something this week and I guess it goes along the same way music like I don't I don't think to watch comedy we don't mm-hmm. watch a lot of TV I mean we TV is our wintertime thing, yeah. right? So we record shows throughout the year and then we binge watch it, yeah. right? When it's snowy outside and it's cold, right? The last comedy special I watched is not the newest Dave Chappelle, but the one that he did during COVID. Yes. Uh, and then I've watched some other stuff. That new cool. one I do recommend. Highly. I hate You know, it's one of those things where I, I have to remember to just sit down and watch it. Yeah, he's basically saying we got to check ourselves here, you know? Mm-hmm. We're, like, well, we're taking ourselves too seriously right yes. now. You know, yes. and it's like... Come on, you know right. I mean? Right. There's, a, there's a difference between a joke and actual hatred. Right. Some people think it's a fine line, you know, and it's... 
I, you know, I, like, oh, you're, you, somebody doesn't know what a joke is. I'm like, well, then that's the, on them. I want to I want to bring something up. I wasn't going to bring it up because I didn't want it to become a focal point for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, we've talked about this. I've recently become sober. I'm 34 days, 35 days sober. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've learned recently, not that I didn't know it, but I've that's not taking myself too seriously is a very big part of my sobriety. Being able to laugh at laugh at myself and be okay with laughing yeah at you have to uh, laugh at the stupidity you know what i'm saying because the person that i was mentally i could always laugh at myself you know what i'm saying but there was always mm-hmm. that voice in the back of my head that was either conscious or subconscious that was berating me right mm-hmm. and so i'm learning to not take myself too seriously yeah and so this is really a like i have had this conversation with myself and had this same thought process about how serious society is today. But I'm focusing on it now more so because of my sobriety. And I totally agree with that. I totally agree. We're getting to a point where not taking it down a conspiracy theory rabbit hole or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But if you look at 1984 by George Orwell, yep. the government doesn't have to fucking censor us. Mm-hmm. We're censoring ourselves. Yes. They just have to sit back and let us do it. Yes. You know, because you can't, I mean, uh, I knock on wood, thank my higher power that I live in the suburbs now and I don't live in the city anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't have a, a lot of interaction. I mean, I can't imagine living can you imagine us in this day and age working at a record store like mm-hmm. we were 20 years ago? You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? The conversations that we had with everybody, with our employees, with our coworkers, with our customers, right? The, mm-hmm. Not knowing if I said something wrong, whether I did it intentionally. You know, you build those oh, yeah. relationships, whether it's a, a male relationship, male on male, or a female relationship, male on female whether they're a coworker or they're an employee or they're a manager or whatever, and you learn what you can talk about. Yes. You learn what that person is going to accept coming out of your mouth. Mm-hmm. And you know that one person you can't say this, another person you can say whatever, whether they're male or female, and they're not going to be offended by it. Yes. In this day and age, I can't imagine having those conversations mm-hmm. because I have no filter when I turn it off, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I can not intentionally not being sexist, not being anything could have said something. I know I've said things in the past, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That you had to have been in my head and given me a chance to explain it if I offended you. Yeah. Right. But now you can't even do that now because it's taken quote for truth. It's taken right yes. there. You know, there's no, if you're on video or audio or whatever, whatever. It be, yeah. there's no, yeah. you don't know the context in my head inside of that conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's scary. Or that's, taking something out of context. Yes. Right taking, taking yeah. something out of context or not even giving me the chance to explain it because I might say something to defend you so much that you're, want to cancel me yeah. using that word, right? Want to cancel me. And mm-hmm. that scares the fuck out of me. Yeah. You know, like that's because we're just doing it to ourselves. We're just yeah. allowing it to happen. And that's what I'm going to do with my other podcasts. Is that's my whole thing is what happened to just having a conversation and just taking um, somebody with just what they have to say and listening to what they have to say, even though you may not agree with them a hundred percent. You know, we're so cut. This is the way I am. This is the way I am. And, you know, what, whatever. Not beating some common ground and just going, okay, I can see what you're trying to get at, but I don't agree with you. 
And just having the respect factor of having, you know, just a, a good conversation. Now, don't get me wrong. There's some people out there that, you know, they're going to go off on their tangent. And you know, there's no way that they're going to be able to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation because they're so caught up in the way they're thinking. Right. But where is that respect? Where is that, you know, like where we can poke fun at each other and just be able to like have a good conversation? It's becoming very, very, very thin and it's becoming very like butthurt, it seems yes. like almost. Yes. You know? Here's a good example. There's been this big thing where people have on social media been quitting on their jobs and doing it yes. through social media. And at what point is it like an attention factor, you know? At what point is it one of these things where it's like, where did you have the conversation before you're just saying, okay, here you are, fuck you, I'm out of here. And I think that's a truthful thing right. is that it's one of these things where it's like, you have to have a conversation, you know? Just don't hide behind your social media and don't think that you can't have, you know, a conversation. And so... I just hope that you know with this whole this other format I'm going to be going 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 with as far as like a conversation goes as yep. far as like you know I just want people to have this format now to be able to hey let's have a conversation you know let's talk about some things like we can talk about the controversial things for the week you know like okay do you agree you know what Dave Chappelle said or not Dave Chappelle said right. do you agree with what Joe Rogan said or not what Joe Rogan said the, the art of conversation is dead yeah that, and I, I think like, some people are like well I read this about them so that's what I think about them right. well did you right. listen to it did right. you did you hear it out of the context that you're hearing it at because obviously you're you're in this context thinking that's what they said and you didn't hear the whole conversation and that's what you I mean by that you didn't hear the whole skit you didn't hear the whole whatever right. it might be yeah, yeah that's know? what I mean by it People don't, uh, the only thing I can think of to kind of articulate what I'm trying to say is, is that that quote from Seven, when John Doe is in the back of the cop car, mm -hmm. I think I said this the last time, that, uh, uh, in the back of the cop car, and he's talking to Brad Pitt and, and Morgan Freeman's characters, and he's talking about, you know, sometimes you have to hit people over the head with a sledgehammer to get their attention. Mm -hmm. I think it's the same thought process, in my mind, it's the same thought process, is that, mm -hmm. We move in such a fast world now. Everything mm -hmm. is fast and instantaneous. Mm -hmm. And that thought process has developed over the time to, to keep up with that. Mm -hmm. You know, keep up with this little computer in our hands. And keep yeah. up with everything that's there. And so we don't have time. People don't make time. I remember sitting down and having to read a newspaper. Yeah. You know, if you read the entire newspaper... You know, if you were lucky, you could read it in 45 minutes if you didn't read everything. But if you read everything, you would take an hour and a half or two hours yes. over the day to read it. Mm -hmm. And then you would have time to let it sink in. Yes. And then you would have time to develop an opinion about it. Mm -hmm. And you can't do that now. You, you, everything, and it's being force-fed, and so it's causing that hyper-focused. And that is taking the, the art of conversation out of it and taking it back to the point about the sledgehammer thing is, is that... Well, that's the way I think a lot of social media is, like too. It's like, it's almost that, it's a double edge in a way. Yes. It's almost like, they're, they're, they want the shock factor, you know? They right. want the shock factor, like, hey, look at what I did. I got attention, you know? Yeah. Well, is your attention good intended? Right. Or is your attention just to get attention and to get hits or to get popularity or whatever it might be? Where is your intention? Where what is What is your contribution as far as, like, you know, doing something positive in the world or doing something just to get negative reaction, you know, or, a, or a, you know, some kind of like, you know, thrill from just getting attention. Right. You know, I think, you know, it's important as, as a person of society or whatever it might be that, you know, if you don't have anything good to say, maybe don't say anything. But 
if you do have something you know worth arguing about or worth talking about, yeah, let, let me hear what you have to say. But if you're just in it for the shock factor or the basically saying fuck you just to get a rise out of somebody, okay, well, if that's your thing, then I'm not going to be part of it because that's not my thing. Um, there is a documentary that we just watched on HBO <coughs> about tabloids mm-hmm. that went over... Um, the history of tabloids, especially in the United States. Yes. And since um, the, um, whatever that tabloid is in New York. New York Post. It's in the New York Post. And yeah. that how uh, Murdoch was responsible for a lot of that, mm-hmm. the tabloid. Spreading propaganda. Yeah, in the yeah. 80s, you know, in the late mm-hmm. 70s, early 80s. There's even, they're really big in London, I know that. Right. Yeah. And they did touch on that, right. Yeah. Um, and uh, that really was eye-opening about... Uh, if you look at it uh, in, in, in this state and what you were just talking about in, in this state, in this age that we're in, not state, in the age that we're in about um, the sensationalism, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and the, the uh, I, I go to Google. I, this is something that I have to break. I go to Google News every day. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and more so, it's happened more so recently, probably in the last year and a half, last two years. Uh, it's kind of gone from sensationalism. If you stay away from like the entertainment portion of inter- of Google News, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, to the uh, there's nothing good in the news anymore. It's all dark. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? There's nothing. Yeah. It's all dark. It's so the, very rare, and they try. They try to sneak something in, but people always go to that dark. Right. And so that that documentary is called Gossip, by the way. It's I think it's on HBO. Okay. Uh, cool. You should watch. It. I think it's like five episodes yeah. or something like that. There's another uh, documentary that I recommended earlier. And you might have their opinion of them or whatever, but after you watch it, you might change for a better opinion of them. And I've always liked her, but it's really interesting to see, like, because we lived during this generation in time, and when this album was really huge, and that was Jagged Little Pill by Alanis Morissette. There's a documentary on HBO Max now called Jagged, and it talks about her career up until that album came out right. and then when that album was out all the freaking right. you know stuff that went on with it and then what happened afterwards right. and and how it helped out the female you know voice right. and how it helped out you know she really went into that studio um and really said hey I'm doing what the fuck I want because she was this pop put, puppet for a long time right. and she's like I got a lot of stuff to say and she went and said it and then it was like the record companies were all like, "Oh, let's get more female artists right. out there that have to, you know, the, the the angry woman, quote unquote, you know, like they they like to categorize, but it was more like no, it was just expressing themselves, right? You yeah. know, I, I liked it a lot. It talked to um, the band members that were her band members at that time. Um, one of them is um, now the bass player for Jane's Addiction. He was the bass player for her, and then obviously Tara, Taylor Hawkins from uh, Foo Fighters. Like that was her drummer. Oh, during, I didn't know. That. Yeah, during the whole tour for that whole jagged little pill tour and stuff wow. like that. And it talks about a lot of stuff that those guys were doing during that tour, right? Because they were guys, and right. it was the nineties, and right. they were you know having fun. How she was pretty upset about that. Well, basically, they used that whole backstage pass thing to their benefit. And here she was, this whole female, you know, artist trying to, you know, be who she was. And they, they, they delve into it a little bit. So it's nice to hear that little bit of that controversy that, that they had the band guys versus the female artists had some differences. But overall, they were like a big family, you know. Right. So. But anyway, check it out. It's on HBO Max, Jagged. On one side, on the other side of that coin, though, however, negativity in the world 
and the hyper focused and the sensation. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. On the other side of that coin, um, the one thing I do see, um, and this is kind of hard for me to admit, and I'm just going to admit it, mm -hmm. is um, I love seeing the diversity that is coming out in media now. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, okay. With um, and and I, and I will get to why I it's hard for me to admit this. Uh, the the diversity of characters, whether it's the LGBTQ or or African Americans or Hispanics or whatever, uh, the diver I love seeing that more, right? Like mm -hmm. the, the, it, it, in in media, in movies, or in television, or mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I first started seeing it, when I first started realizing it, it made me uncomfortable, and it made me uncomfortable because I was mad that I was that it wasn't there before. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, we grew up in, with white television. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There was no cross. You had your white television show. I mean, it was there a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I see. But you like, mean cross, cross, um, pollinating. And, and, right. Yeah. There was not a show where every character was, I was either, you know, like there was, there was the token black family on a show. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It was a it was a show about a white family, but then there was a token. But it was a token thing. Okay, mm -hmm. I hate using that word, but it's, it yeah. was that token thing, right? Yeah. That is, and, and and so and now, but watching it now and the diverse cast of characters, whatever they are, you know what I'm yeah. saying, is amazing. But when I first started seeing it, I was not. I was uncomfortable. I was uncomfortable because I was empathetic. Yeah. I was. I was. Why were we not seeing this before? Why is it becoming? Why is it out now? Why haven't we seen this for the past 30 years, right? Mm -hmm. But I, I'm not anymore. It's, I think it's great. Yes. That is the positive side to this, okay? Mm -hmm. This is the good to the bad of one, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Is that we're seeing this more. I wish we'd have seen it 30 years ago or 40 years ago, you know what I'm saying? I wish, yeah. I go back and I watch something from the 80s and it's like the underhanded racism or the underhanded whatever, oh, you know what I'm yeah. saying? It's like... How the fuck did we get away from that? Get a, get away with this? You know what I'm saying? Well, here's the thing too: is like it's funny because watching older stuff when it's popular and, and watching it now. And a good example of that is like Friends. When you watch that show, that the the stuff they were poking fun at, they'd get so much shit for. Right. And you know whether it was fat shaming, right. you know, with with uh, the Courtney Cox character and the the fat suit or um that you know they had they tried to push the diversity when ross was dating an african-american woman right. but the thing is is that there's a lot of like joey's you know female the way he treated females and stuff right. in that show would get a lot of shit today and that's one of the thing i'm only using that because it was one of the most popular shows ever but right. if you go through any tv shows right. i mean you would just see that stuff you know and now it is like you're saying like you're seeing like this diversity and I think here's a good example of something that definitely poked fun at us, and you can watch it now because it was just like cringeworthy because you know because they're really making us look at ourselves in the mirror. It was like The Office, right. yeah. you know, Office was like one of these things where it's like this wasn't appropriate yeah. and it just wasn't okay. But here, hey, look at yourself in the mirror because this is this is the way it is. You Fam know? Family Guy is another one. Yeah, I'm a late bloomer when it comes to Family Guy. When yeah. it first came out, like I was like. I had no urge, so I was talking to Elise about this uh -huh. recently, but I had no urge to watch it. Yeah. And then, I don't know, I don't know, I caught an episode when I was like, what the fuck is this? South Park was, opened the door for that. South Park 100% opened the door for that, and mm. I was always a South Park fan. Yeah. But I guess I really, you know, there's a difference between watching South Park when it first came out mm -hmm. and laughing at it. 
and laughing at it like watching the Looney Tunes as a kid and watching the old oh, yeah. cartoons, yeah. right? And seeing it as a cartoon and watching it as an adult yeah. and realizing how pertinent, how actually evil it was to having kids watch that. Or, yeah. you know, like, well, Looney like, Tunes with the Asian, you know, yes, stuff. The, the, and, yeah. The, yeah, but South Park, like South Park, like it was great watching it at 20, mm-hmm. but it's even better watching it now because now I can actually see, I can actually see, like I saw it back then, but now like, I'll, like it's like watching a, an Aesop fable, uh-huh. you know, episode each time you watch South Park, or even yeah. Family Guy for that matter. It's just, it's so far out there, but it's so amazing because everything, every time you watch an episode and they do something, it's like it's so on point. Yes. It's so, it's like going back to the mm-hmm. whole comedy thing, mm-hmm. comedian, like com- comedians being able to speak their voice. Right? And be able to look at it, uh, ourselves and go, look yes. at what we're doing what right we're now. Doing. This, yes. Why can't we make fun of ourselves? Look what we're doing here. Yes. And that's what I, I like about anything in the comedy format, whether it is a comedian or a comedic show or something like that. And I was going to say this to somebody. like, when's the last time you saw a comedy movie that was really good? Can you think about that? Because I think that's where motion pictures need to get back into the picture is like, why is it the TV shows that are pushing the envelope? Why is it the comedians that, you know, like, there's something about Mary. Well, could it get released today? What What is what is that movie? No. To answer your question, no. Yeah, it yeah, could not yeah. get released today. But what is that movie um, with, uh, I might have to get Elise down here if you don't remember. What is that movie with uh, Mark Wahlberg and um, The Rock? And they play bodybuilders. Oh, yeah. I remember that, but I don't uh, remember the name of it is. What was the name of the movie? Pain, again? Pain and Game. Pain and Game, okay. It's Mark Wahlberg and uh, The Rock. And uh, for years, Elise had been trying to get me to watch it. She's like, this movie is just amazing. Mm-hmm. And I, at some point in time, stopped having any interest in comedies. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I, you know, I prefer dramas. I prefer action movies. I prefer mindless stuff. You know what I'm saying? I have enough yeah. shit going on in my head that I just want something I can throw in the background and watch it, you know. Mm-hmm. And if I enjoy it, great. I'll go back. It's, it's like watching Office over and over again or watching uh, uh, How I Met Your Mother or Big Bang Theory. People binge watch shows because it's comfortable. But, well, action and drama are comfortable for me. You know, yeah. Especially action. Bloody, gory action is, is comfortable for me. So for years, Elise was trying to get me to watch Pain and Gain. And I didn't want to watch it. You know what I'm saying? Because I saw like, the previous one. Like, I'm like, like this, yeah. this, this doesn't look any good. Like, you know. Mm-hmm. So finally, she's like, you need to watch this movie. I was like, had almost had tears in my eyes. It was so fucking funny. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, uh, it was. It's based on a true story. Mm-hmm. It's lightly based on a true story. Yeah. Okay, down in I think Florida. Okay, Florida doesn't surprise me, but uh, and it's just ludicrous how I, I guess me. I don't know if ludicrous is the right word. It's just I watch it and I'm like, holy shit, that movie was just absolutely amazing. Like I it was one of those movies like. You're like, why didn't I watch this 10 years ago? You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, I, I feel like I'm way behind the curve. I should have watched this initially because it was so good. But to answer your question, I think that was probably the last movie I watched that was like on a comedic level because mm-hmm. I don't watch comedies. Like, yeah. I, I'm trying uh, to find that person again. Okay, find that person who is gets out of that. I need to watch action movies and blood and gore all the time. Yeah. Whatever, you know, like, uh, but I, ha- I, have, um, I have very little patience for benign humor, mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I, mm-hmm. I absolutely just, I just won't, okay, I, because to me, you know what I'm saying, like, uh, okay, I watched All I How I Met Your Mother, I thought that was a pretty good show, okay, but that mindless comedy, not maybe not benign, is that the right word, that mindless comedy, right, 
I don't have the mindset for it. I, I used to when I was younger. You know what I'm saying? We grew yeah. up watching comedy shows. You know what oh, I'm saying? Yeah. Whether whatever it was, you know. But I, as I got older, there was just something. I'm mean, actually I don't have time for it. Like, mm-hmm. like it's not that I, it's not time. Is it? I say I don't have time for this. Literally, like it bothers me so much that I just it's going to offend me. Right? I'm not going to find anything yeah. funny in it. And I'm trying to find that person again, but I can't remember the last. Uh, yeah, at least the last big comedy I can remember is Hangover. Yes, and, fucking Hangover. Oh my god! Like, yeah, I mean, I can't think of anything. I'm trying to think what has come after that, like a, like a cross between that and there's right. something about Mary or right. you know, like the ones that were pushing the envelope right. and like, like yes. I think people are scared now to like do anything comedy related without it. You know. Yes, you know? I, I totally agree with that. Mm-hmm. But you know, but that actually happened before we became the in the culture we're at now. Mm-hmm. Like. Well, uh, Hangover was what, like 2009, I think? Yeah. Uh, and, and then Hangover 2 came out, and Hangover 2 was almost as good, mm-hmm. right? But then Hangover thing was kind of just derivative. Yeah, like, just, just trying just to make some done, right? Well, and, uh, and I guess I want to tie that back into music, is like, the, where are these artists that like, you know, the Rage Against the Machine, the, the ones that are, you know, are pushing the envelope and trying to, you know, trying to do something with music that's, you know... You know, a little bit more controversial. You know, I mean, it's it's. You know, you, I'm sure it's out there. I'm sure you can find it. That fucking Halsey album. Yeah, there you go. I, I don't. Did we we didn't talk about that. No, we no. Talked I, about the, yeah, talked and about I that and I knew the minute I knew she was doing that with Trent and uh, and Atticus, I was like, this is going to be something interesting. That I kid you not, John. I'm so glad that you turned me on to her because I put it on and I was like. Going back to Jagged Little Pill, mm-hmm. I'm saying uh, I love Jagged Little Pill. Yeah, the first five times I heard it, yeah. you know what I'm saying. Yeah, we heard but it. But we're, we're in the record store, and we right? Got right. And so, so then it became it became hard to listen to, right? Because yeah. you know. But I gotta say, I listened. I haven't listened to songs in years, and when I was listening to that documentary, I was like, "Wow!" Now right. watching the documentary with her explaining everything and then why she made those songs. Right. Along with hearing how you've heard those songs a million times, it was like wow, I heard them in a whole different light yeah, right yeah. after. And I can see that, but like that's how I took the Halsey album. It was yeah. Like it was like yeah, it was just on. It's just a perfect piece of music. Yeah. Every fucking song, you know yes. what I'm saying? Every song is like it's like anything that that uh, Atticus and Reznor touch is like yeah. gold. You know what I'm well, saying? Scores like, and things yes. like that. You yes. know, it's like, and that's the thing is that sometimes it takes. Back to it again. Those collaborations, right. like it's like who would ever thought the two of those people would have been together because of her career before that album and because of their career before that right. album, you know. And that's the thing is like you when you're mixing it up and you're like, hey, let's try this together, you know. Let's see what what we can produce with this, you know. Sometimes those things can be amazing. And sometimes you know. Go ahead. Pink's first album. Yeah. With uh. uh, uh yeah. With, uh, Terry, with uh, Reed. Um, Lin, uh, Linda. Oh, actually, Linda Perry. Linda Perry. That wasn't the first album. The first album she did was with L.A. Reid, and it was not her. It was. That's like, right. You're right. The second album, the, the one that Linda Perry produced. Yes, that was the one that, that blew one that, her yes, up. Yes, and it was yes. her basically saying, right. "I want to do what I yes. want to do." Yes. And yes. she blew up. Yes. You know yes. the fact. The fact that, that that collaboration, a woman who wrote a pivotal hit in the 90s one hit even though that entire album in flight is amazing the the four non-blondes album but mm-hmm. what's going on right mm-hmm. she wrote that to turn around and produce i don't think i ever heard the first pink album but that second album like was just 
Again, yeah. going back to Fee Mars, going back to Alanis Morissette, the second peak album, going to the first Four on Blondes album, the Halsey album, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That empowerment, that amazing... In that documentary, Shirley Manson, they're talking to her. and how Garbage? Yeah, and how yeah. It, she, she says that if it wasn't for that album, she maybe would not have been able to do what she did. Right. You know, and it's like, sometimes it takes that artist to go, okay, I'm going to try this now because somebody else did it. I can see that now. Because mm-hmm. didn't the, well, pretty, Jagged Little Pill came out in, what, 96? 95. Okay, so it, it came big in 96, right? So it came yeah. out in 95, but it didn't start getting big until 96 yeah. because yeah. because I had moved out here in April of 96. And it was because of K-Rock out in L.A. Because they played yes. that, they played, um, um, You Ought to Know. Yeah, I do remember that. I remember mm-hmm. listening to K-Rock right before I moved back here. In '96, I was I was still in LA in '95 when that album came out, and I remember that album coming out, and then moving here in April of '96, going to work mm-hmm. at Sam Goody, and then that album just blowing up. That Watch song. the documentary because it'll okay. blow your mind, like the crap she had to go through for you want to know too, right. like the interviews and like the cringy shit with men and stuff because of all that, you know. And that's what's so great about watching this documentary because of where what you did, like you said, where were you at right now? Right. You know, looking back at things in retrospect, like that whole thing, and watching like some of these women have to suffer and go through all this shit because of fucking some male stupidity and stuff like that. You know, they they wanted to take it out of context, right. you know, and not take it for what it was worth. And that's one thing about music is that when we look back on things, sometimes it's like when it was written at that moment in time. It's kind of cool to look back and like, I, I love to look up history on songs and stuff and why it was written. Sometimes you think it was about one reason or another reason. And sometimes the artist doesn't like you to know what the reason is because they like the idea that it's taken a life. Whatever of you own. want, whatever you want it to be. Yeah. yeah. And it's hard. It's like to sit back and to be humble and to actually be like, oh, no, I don't want to talk about what that song's about because I want people to have their own thing for it. Are you a Blue Ace or Colt fan? Yeah, of course. Oh, okay. So, and I'm going to tie this into that. Because there's also the um, song means, right? Song mm-hmm. means are also, uh, um, what is the word? Um, the word you use when it's your opinion about something. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't think of it. Um, it'll come to me. But anyways, Blue Easter Colt's got this song called uh, um, Veteran of a Thousand Psychic Corps. Okay. Okay. Uh, you might know it if you remember the movie Heavy Metal. It's in there. Okay. It's on that soundtrack. Oh. Uh, and it's one of their lesser known hits. Um it's got some pretty deep lyrics. Uh, I'll send it to you so you can listen to it. And if you've got Spotify now, and mm-hmm. they've got, it's got the lyrics function so you can read it. Um, and uh, for years, I took it as I had one meaning for that song. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was kind of like my anthem. Okay, yeah. It was really like my anthem. You know, mm-hmm. better than a thousand psychic wars. And that was just like my conflict against people and not wanting to deal with people and not wanting yes. to be around people. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Not wanting to feel, not to want, not wanting to be empathetic. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, uh, so, uh, back to my sobriety, you know, I, I was probably a week, week and a half into it, you know, a week and a half mm-hmm. of, of going to meetings and whatnot. And I'm driving home and I'm like, I want to listen to that song. Yeah. You know? Not the same. Fuck no, it wasn't the same. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it was a song that went from my anthem. You know what I'm saying? Like, that was the song that I listened to when I was having a really, really bad day, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, I just, like, I just, uh, especially uh, work emotionally, you know, I'm just like, I just need to listen to this song, yeah. right? 
just instantaneously. Totally different meaning. And I saw it from a totally different light, and it was like uh, objective. That's the word I'm looking for, objective, yeah. okay? When you, you know, the, uh, song means are objective. You know, it's, it's whatever, you know, your own take on it. And I, like you said, if I'm an artist, they may not want you to know. They might like the fact that you can take it from whatever you want yeah. to. Yeah. But I had this song for years that, that did it for me in one way, and that just, and in seven minutes, the entire meaning changed, you know what I'm saying? And it was like, it was like, it was, it's, and, and that's the great thing about. Well, I, I brought that up in one of my podcasts too, is that like, and I always use this song as that example. There's a lot of songs that have double meanings that you're unaware about. And that song that I brought up, and I won't go too much into it because I already brought up another podcast is The Best of You by. Uh, yes. That's double yes, meaning. I remember that. We were listening to that. You're absolutely. And I did not. I kid you not, John. I'm sorry. I'm glad you brought this up. I'm so glad you brought this up. I did not hear that until I heard you say that when I listened to it. And the first time I heard that song afterwards, it blew me away. Because you said it. I think what happened was is you said it. I was working in my garage. You said it. And I was um, building those shelves. And you said it. And then. And on the way to Home Depot, I listened to that song, and I was like the entire time I was like, "Holy shit! I have to move to talk to John about this because yeah. it totally flipped." I and I heard it, and I could hear it from both uh, both ears. Literally, yeah. I could hear one side of my brain heard one version of it, the other side of my brain heard another version of it. Yeah. It's so spot on. So thank you for that. Yeah, and I mean, we'll wrap it up on that. Yeah. Is that music does have this empathy to it if we look for it you know yeah. like it, it it can like play with your emotions and it seeks yeah. inside of you and it gets the things out of you that whether you're dealing with something very joyous or something that you're very heart aching right. you know when you bring this music together when you bring this stuff into your life when you need it the most it makes you feel good or if you listen to that, it's like listening to that sad love song like ever back in the day. Right. You're going to be depressed if you keep listening right. to that thing over right. and over again. Right. But if you can turn music into kind of like this uplifting thing to get you through the, the through those things you need to get through, it's a piece of a piece of work that you can have continue on inside of you and therapeutically help you yes. as your life continues yes. on and on. Um, I like this. This is going to be the first of many conversations here with uh, Mr. McCree. And um, hopefully here in the next uh, month or so, we're going to be able to do something with our good friend, Mr. Jack Miller, and dive into some good categories of music and uh, topics. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, that will have to probably be a whole day type of thing where we will all <laughs> set aside five or six hours because like, yes. I think you could probably split up two or three episodes. Oh, I'm sure we can. With a conversation well, we between thank the you. two of us. Yeah, thank man. you. Thank you for having me here. Yeah, and uh, thank you for listening to Music Seeds, the yeah. music that made us. Well, there you go, folks. I hope you enjoyed that. Me and Mr. Jeremy McCree going down the rabbit hole of discussion there on a lot of great topics. And uh, we'll be having many more there. I just wanted to talk a little bit about the music new releases that came out for May 2022. We had quite a bit of different stuff come out. Um, We had the new Arcade Fire album Wii. Um, New AWOL Nation, My Echo, My Shadow, My Covers, and Me, Bell and Sebastian, A Bit of Previous, The Black Crows, 1972 EP, Hailstorm, Back from the Dead, Jack Harlow, Come Home, The Kids Miss You, Uh, Cheryl Crow, the music from the Cheryl Crow music from the feature documentary, Silverstein, Misery Made Me, Simple Plan, Harder Than It Looks, Soft Cell, Happiness Not Included. For May 13th, We had The Black Keys, Dropout Boogie, 
Chainsmokers, so far, so good. Dalbert McClinton, Outdated Emotion. Florence and the Machine, Dance Fever. Kendrick Lamar, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. Lyle Lovett, 12th of June. Mandy Moore, In Real Life. Monophonics, Sage Motel. The Smile, A Light for Attracting Attention. That's the band Radiohead side project. Van Morrison, What's It Gonna Take? For May 20th, Dave Stewart, Ebony McQueen. Delta Spirit, One is One. Gavin DeGraw, Face the River. Grantley Phillips, All That You Can Dream. Harry Styles, Harry's House. Likey Lee, I I. Train, AM Gold. Zach Bryan, American Heartbeat. And for May 27th, Bruce Hornsby, Flicked. Coheed and Cambria, Vaxis 2, A Window of the Waking Mind. Def Leppard, Diamond Star Halos. Liam Gallagher, Come On, You Know. Sean Paul, Scorcha, Shaggy, Come Fly With Me. Steve Earle and the Dukes, Jerry Jeff, and many, many more. I should be releasing my new podcast here within the next week called Narrative Perspective. The first episode with Jeffrey Wilson, Scott Dye, and myself. You should be seeing that dropping soon wherever you get podcasts. Meanwhile, if you'd like to get a hold of me, you can get a hold of me at email at ozomot87 at gmail.com. That's O-Z-O-M-A-T-F-A-N 87 at gmail.com. Or musicmadeseeds at facebook.com. There's also my TikTok handle, Johnny Come Lately. And you can also find me through any of the other services, Instagram and Snapchat. I appreciate all the listeners. I appreciate all the feedback. And I hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy your summer that is coming upon us. And hopefully you'll get to see some live music. I know I'm going to be getting my fair share here in the next couple months. I can't wait to hear about your experience. Meanwhile... Please do your best to take care of each other out there. Sometimes all you need is some time to listen and to understand. Until next time. Hi, this is Johnny. I'm your host, and you are listening to Music Seeds. The music that made us. <laughs>